John Wertheim. This is Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast, and we have a different kind of guest today, but every bit as special as a top five player. Kelsey Anderson, welcome. You are the wife of Kevin Anderson, and tell us when we're doing this interview. We are doing this just before Kevin's match against the world number one, Novak Djokovic. It's coming up in about an hour and a bit here. We're at Wimbledon, so... Nerves are, nerves are pumping, and I'm a little bit excited. Great intro. Um, you said nerves are pumping. Yeah. What's this like for you? I mean, it's hard not to, it's hard as a spectator not to get nervous for these matches because you have no control over the outcome. You kind of don't know which player is going to show up on any given day, kind of like the players themselves don't know how they're going to play and perform on any given day for any given match. So it's always a little bit nerve-wracking, especially when you're playing somebody who's on top of his game like Novak is, and he's always going to be a challenge, especially right now he's playing some of the best tennis of his life. So on a day like this, what's your job? Is it just sort of get out of the way and be supportive, or are you part of the, like, pep talk and preparation? Um, I, try to, I try to help give Kevin a little bit pep talk. Right before he left today, I just said, go out there, play your game. If you play smart, you're going to have a chance. So I try to just keep it simple. I, I didn't play tennis, so... I don't have too much technical or tactical knowledge to apply to his strategy, but the mental stuff, as a golfer myself, I uh, think I can add and bring a little bit to the table from the mental side of things. And, you know, the most trite question in these situations sometimes is, what's it like? But I'm genuinely curious, both short-term and sort of big picture, what's it like? So what's it like sitting there, you're at Wimbledon, it's Monday, round of 16, quarterfinal berth up for grabs, playing against Djokovic. What's it like to be sitting there in the front row when your husband's on the court? It's definitely exciting. Obviously, the whole team recognizes the gravity of the moment and how much is at stake. Kevin's never made a quarterfinal of a slam. We all believe he's capable of doing that or even better. It's one of his top goals. And... Um, you know, he just keeps knocking at the door, and we don't really know when he's going to get that breakthrough result, but we all believe it's going to happen. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's nerve-wracking for all of us. Um, we all want him to go out there and play as the player we know he's capable of playing. And um, just hopefully he has a chance today, and he, he gives himself some opportunities. I think if he plays smart, he, he definitely will. So big picture. You're college-educated, you're well-spoken, and you're the spouse of a tennis player, which means a lot of travel and a lot of disruptions. Um, again, the trike, what's, what's it like? You know, I think a lot of people look at the, the wags. They well, like you to said the word. I see. Did you notice I caught myself? I didn't want to use that word. Well, yeah, they, lo- they look at us wag, as a, a group of people who are, you know, to be seen and not heard. And I think people discount that we, we do contribute, or at least we like to think we contribute a lot to making these guys into great competitors behind the scenes. And um, it's actually pretty remarkable when you start talking to some of these tennis players and meeting their wives. So many male tennis players are drawn to really talented, accomplished, successful women in their own right. And it's unbelievable the number of guys. Uh, Robin Hassa, his girlfriend Kim, is a doctor. Matt Ebden, his girlfriend is a, or his wife, sorry, his wife is an attorney. Um, whole bunch of guys. Uh, Bob Bryan's wife is an attorney. Just so many of them are drawn to accomplished, successful people, and um, it's actually it's commendable that these guys, you know, they're not just looking for arm candy or somebody to sit in their box and say, "Oh, good job, well done." They want somebody who's you know accomplished and can contribute meaningful stuff to their team. It's 
pretty cool. It's funny. I was going to get to that in a second. Um, is there a sisterhood among you guys? I mean, are you friendly with yeah. ex-spouse or girlfriend, or is it everybody kind of in their team mode? It's definitely not like being in a sorority. I can promise you that. And I know some of the other sports, it, it is got more of that group and uh, camaraderie. I know the, the golf wives, they're always hanging out and doing stuff together. Tennis isn't like that as much. There's certainly people who I've become very good friends with through this, but there's also a lot of superficial friendships. People tend to keep each other, and I think many players would tell you this as well. In this community, people keep each other at arm's length because it is one-on-one competition. It's head-to-head. Not that many people get super buddy-buddy with their competition. The guys who come from federations with a lot of players, like I know the Australian guys, they tend to hang out together. Um, You know, the American guys are friends. Kevin doesn't have any other South Africans, so especially we're kind of out there alone a lot of times. Um, But, you know, everybody's nice. It's a great group of people. But I think the number of people who you're going to get super close with is somewhat limited, just given the nature of the competition. So if you look at the top players, their spouses now, we don't have to use the word wag, uh, their spouses are accomplished, outspoken. I mean, Mirka, obviously, we we all know about her influence. I mean, I don't know if... You've met Novak's wife, but she's you know, she's on Twitter sending around economist articles. Um, yeah. Kim Sears has a whole life outside of tennis. Do, is there some trickle-down effect there? I mean, do, do you think that is sort of impacting the culture the same way Roger, you know, Rafa Novak and Andy are on the court? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the the women behind the scenes play a bigger role than, than people probably realize. And I think uh, although you... I hate to say you have no identity other than your spouse, but at this point in my life, I'm giving everything to Kevin to help him achieve what he can achieve. I don't, I don't want to have a job right now because I wouldn't be able to give him as much time or energy as, as if I had other commitments. So I think all of the top guys, more or less, their, their spouses are doing the same things behind the scenes, helping out everywhere they can and uh, just being there for the guys. Best part of the job? Best part of the job. Wait, can I stop you and say, <laughs> af- was it before or after we were going to do this? You were, were going to get your nails done in the, uh, yeah. there's, some, there's some parts that go. No, there's before. some glamorous parts, but there's a ton of unglamorous get parts. Get to the good stuff first. People Let's... have no idea, but um, good stuff, I would say, it's obviously fabulous traveling the world. I've gone so many places that I never would have gone if it wasn't for this tennis, um, but my personal favorite I got to say just being with Kevin. We we were long distance for a really long time in our relationship and even after we were married for a whole year, I continued to work at Ernst and Young and Kevin was traveling. I had 2 weeks of vacation. So, I didn't see much of him at all other than when he came back to Chicago for a weekend here, a weekend there. So just being together I think is really fun and actually living a married life even though it's not maybe what everybody's <laughs> Conception would be, yeah, of of married life. But for us, it works, and it's great, and we're we're having a lot of fun with it. It's a short-lived moment, you know, to to take advantage of this time to be together. Challenges? Um, I mean, the obvious ones that everybody would agree with are travel, you know, unless you're one of these people who has the luxury of traveling privately. (laughs) There's always delays and misconnections. You're the same key security-wise as the rest of us? Yeah, lost luggage. You know, the the whole range of it. We've been really unlucky this year for some reason, so that that jumps to mind. Um, other things, it, it, it 
gets difficult living out of a suitcase, eating at restaurants every night. I mean, most people, they get to go out to a restaurant and enjoy a really nice evening together, and Kevin and I, you know, kind of view it as a little bit of a chore. When we're at home, our favorite thing is to eat at home and just have meals together in our house. So A, a chore because he gets noticed, a chore because the no, nutrition is weird. No, not because he gets weird. noticed, just like the time it takes. I mean, you think about how much time that takes out of your day every day getting to a restaurant, sitting there for an hour and a half, sometimes two hours while the meal comes, and then getting home. It's like a three-hour production every day where that's time normal people, they, you know, eat for 30, 40 minutes, and then they just relax and hang out. So That's a good point. I never that, that. Yeah, yeah I, I hate to be all cynical about it, but for us, we, we <laughs> enjoy the home-cooked meals and staying in and just relaxing when we get the opportunity to do it. Ever say I'm from the Chicago suburbs. I worked at Ernst & Young. Having a conventional, you know, I don't, you know, I know how old Kevin is. I mean, just I suspect your friends are leading significantly different lives. Do you ever think, just boy, a conventional life would be really boring? Um, no, I don't want to say that. I think I think it, there's pluses and minuses to both. We obviously are incredibly lucky. The things that tennis has brought us in our life, um, it's impossible to count all the wonderful things. Um, you can always say, oh gosh, in another life it would have been great to live in a downtown apartment or um, enjoy living that young lifestyle, corporate lifestyle. But, you know, we're, we're pretty happy, you know, being our setup where we are, even though we live in, we live in Florida in a community where we're probably the youngest people by about 30 years. <laughs> a, lot, um, a lot of bingo being played. Yeah, no, we, but we, we really enjoy it. It's very calming to go home to that, and, you know, we do live quite a fast-paced life the rest of the year when we're on the road. So we, we kind of enjoy the downtime and having a little bit of a different lifestyle to some of our friends. We never have a problem getting people to come visit us for vacation either. <laughs> what, um... What do you do out here? I mean, it seems to me like the blocks of time are really tremendous. You're waiting for your court call to go on, and you're waiting to go into an interview, and you're waiting for massage, if you're a player. that is. I mean, yeah. what do you do with these sort of unstructured blocks of time? If we asked Kevin, he'd tell you that I'm on Twitter more than I yeah, should Yeah, I was going to say, we, we should mention this. You're, you're a tremendous Twitter follower. I'm obsessed with Twitter. I wish I wasn't. Tell everyone your handle. But I love it. It's Kelsey O. Anderson. Um, no, I just, I really get a kick out of interacting. I follow a ton of tennis reporters. I get a kick out of interacting with people on there, learning all the news. Because for me, tennis is a sport that I didn't play growing up. And so I feel like I've been able to learn a lot and draw on other people's knowledge to improve my, my understanding of the game. And uh, even things like, it seems silly, but, but past players you know, I, I'm around all these great people. I don't even know who some of them are and what they've achieved. And so for me, the, the social media has been a way to kind of learn and have fun doing it. What do you do um, on social media? You know, your husband's a public figure, well-liked member of this tribe here, and I think he's, he's regarded as a guy who's maximized his talent. I mean, a lot, a lot of respect for your husband, but there's, like any public figure, there's, there's criticism um, some of it out of South Africa, some of it just social media nonsense. How do you sit there? I mean, what's the response when you're playing around on Twitter and you see something unflattering about your husband? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. Kevin has received a ton of heat coming from South Africa because he hasn't participated in their Davis Cup competition with regularity. Um, for some reason, South Africans have this perception that participating in a team sport representing your country is the ultimate way to show your pride for your nation. And the reality is, on the tennis scene, 
it's not really. The best, personally, the best way Kevin, I think, can be an ambassador for South Africa is to go out and do really well in tournaments like this at Wimbledon. And he's the only guy right now who has a shot. So that's really where I think the great recognition is for tennis in South Africa. And, you know, just be a hero for the kids and the people there. Unfortunately, there's a ton of bad publicity that he's received for not participating in the Davis Cup. I think a lot of it's unmerited. A lot of it was based in rumors. There was um, speculation that because I'm American and he married me, he's going to represent the United States. That was purely a rumor. And for years now, Kevin hasn't been able to shake it. And so it, it's kind of it's a pity, and it makes me really angry because... I feel, you know, he has taken a lot of heat because we live in America, where I'm from, and I, I think a lot of it's unfair. He blocks people on Twitter. Sometimes I get angry and I, I take a few swipes back. It's, it's hard not to. Don't feed the trolls. I know. I, I, if it's somebody who's really a troll, I, I let it go. But um, sometimes, you know, there's really unfair articles and things like that that are written, and, and I just think, you know, some of that it warrants a response, and it warrants somebody saying, yeah, hey, you think you're an insider here, and you think you have all this knowledge. Well, let me tell you the real inside story. So it's it's tough. I wish I could be the person to just slough it off my back and let it go, but but I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I do the best I can to ignore to ignore the haters, but sometimes you gotta you got to punch back a little. It's hard not. I mean... Yeah. Um, do you get involved in... So the marketing and some of the strategy. I mean, he's he's a public figure as well as a tennis player. Do you get involved in, hey, you should think about having a relationship with this company or, hey, you should say this when you go into your press conference? Yeah, I mean, I don't – Kevin's got an incredible management team. He's with Lagardere Unlimited, and they've done a wonderful job with him and, you know, his marketing strategy. I, I definitely give Kevin input, um, sometimes with his social media, because – he he tend he tends to treat the whole thing very professionally, just like he does everything with his tennis career. And sometimes I encourage him. I say, you know, people want to they want to hear the genuine things. They want to hear sometimes the more human aspect of it. So I encourage him sometimes with that and little things here and there. Like I I try to help him, but more or less I leave that to the to the guys who are professionals. <laughs> Can I ask you a vulgar question? Sure. Ernst and Young alum that you are. Yeah. So his match today, a lot of money on the line. I mean, the difference between fourth round and quarterfinals is, you know, whatever, well into six figures. Is it hard? I mean, do, do you sort of, what's, what's your relationship with the finances that come with this job and how much money's on the line every time he goes on the court? Sure. Well, I do manage the books. So oh, you I'm, do? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I use QuickBooks, and uh, <laughs> I help them with that. We do have a, we have a great accountant who helps prepare the taxes, but the uh, expenses and everything I'm looking after. Um, my number one rule, I don't look at the prize money sheets until the end of the week. So, I mean, you have an idea in your head. You know, at, at this stage in a tournament, it's doubling every match, right. your prize money. Right. You kind of, you know that. But you, it, it just, it allows you, if I think you look, and what I care about more than the money is the points, the ranking points. <laughs> but if you look ahead, then you're sitting there, you know, he's got match point or set point or whatever, and you get even more anxious. It feeds that nervous nervousness and anxious feeling when you're sitting on the sidelines knowing what's at stake in a quantifiable value so I try to ignore it um I know it's I know it's there and it, it does matter but fortunately Kevin's always had the approach and he's he's imparted it on me that if you play good tennis the money and the points will come you don't have to worry about it 
just just do your best every every point, every match. So in this sport, um, a lot of political issues. There's no union, so it's a lot of sort of every man for himself. Everything. And I heard a player today griping about players that are hurt and play the first round anyway. And is that fair or unfair? I mean, a lot of issues. Just I, I think it's organic. I think just natural. You've got this many people. Do Do you get involved in some of the? I don't want to say political issues, but just yeah. sort of some of the natural disruptions in this sport. Well, Kevin sits on the player council. He's been elected to that for the last uh, three years, I think. So I've been privy to some of this this information, the, the political side of things, just because of what Kevin has been involved with. And I don't, I certainly don't get involved with everything, but Kevin uses me as a springboard to discuss ideas and to have a second opinion. And I think it's a good thing. I don't think I don't think anybody should just listen to what they hear inside a meeting and then and then not take into account how other people feel about it. Um, obviously, yeah, the prize money thing has been something they've spoken about. They, I think there was ideas, try to do something to discourage injured people from playing, like give them some yeah, portion of the, prize money, of the prize money. Give them 80% of their prize money. Or even, even all, all of them, it. Yeah. Just give somebody else the opportunity, you know? Um, there's been a lot of talk about that. It's it's always hard to make major changes to the way the game operates, and um, but but I think it's important that these issues are being discussed. And you know, a lot of people now they're going up against the the long fifth set, and that's a real issue for these guys. The the tour is incredibly physical. Every single one of them will tell you there's very little downtime, and the physicality of the sport is very strenuous on their bodies. So that's a it's a really valid concern for a lot of people. You mean when you play 16, 14, play yeah. 18, 16, and you're just, yeah. that's your shot the next round? I have, I have a view that I think a lot of people would probably yeah, I was say, give us some of your... Uh... I, I'm, obviously, I have no background in tennis. I understand the history and the tradition and all of that, but I don't think you would lose anything by, by shortening the fifth set to a tiebreaker. I think, if anything, it adds to the drama. But just cut it, you know... You know, if they've been out there for four hours, right. at some point, that you have to determine a winner. And I, I don't think, I guess I think it's much too strenuous on their bodies, and it sets them up for failure in the next match, yeah, that's, regardless. Yeah, that to me is what no one talks about. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't think we're gaining anything by watching a, a six-hour tennis match. I, I don't think, as the fans, a lot of people disagree with me, and they're entitled to their opinions, and I completely respect it. But I think if it's an even match after four hours, it's got to end at some point. Just do a tiebreaker. You want more? You want more issues? Yeah, sure. And e- equal prize money. Um. Okay. So a lot of guys will complain about this, saying, "Oh, the women don't play as long, and our tour is more valuable because it's more popular at the moment." But historically, it hasn't always been that way. So it just kind of depends. I personally, I think equal prize money is great because I, as a woman. I think if you want to compete in a professional sport and be successful, tennis is it. And if they want to keep it that way and keep women as women's tennis as the premier professional sport where people can make a livelihood as a female athlete, it's it's just got to stay that way. So I understand how people feel differently, and I understand why, but I don't I don't think the men are losing anything by allowing the women to accept equal prize money. You play lefts. Play lefts. Well, we, I saw a lot of college tennis. I never saw playing the let as an issue. And uh, I think that was actually something Kevin, as a newly elected player council member, tried to impart. And they did a, they did a 
a trial run at the challenger level, I think, and I don't think it was very popular. But Kevin, he played college tennis. They played the let. It's never been an issue. I think a lot of it's just a waste of time, you know. And it adds drama. Ball pops exactly. up in the air and you got to hustle. Right. I, I don't, I wouldn't I'm be crushed totally if a you. major match ended on a point like that. I think it just adds to the theatrics Speedle. of it all. So we, we, you mentioned college tennis. I mean, you were at Illinois. Yeah. With Kevin, obviously. So mm-hmm. you've kind of gone through this whole yeah. process with him. Yeah. Illinois, we both went, to, I was on the golf team and Kevin was on the tennis team. And I never played tennis, but I learned a lot pretty quickly when I started hanging around with Kevin and his friends. And, um, no, it was a great experience. I think for somebody like Kevin, college athletics was a no-brainer. He was able to establish a base in the United States of America, train, play high-quality matches, and get his game to the level where he could really give himself a fighting chance at the challenger level. And when he felt like his career was there, that's when he left college to go pro. I think it was a great decision. We should add, I mean, these were dynasty teams, and Craig Tiley, now yeah. the head of Tennis Australia, was the coach. I mean, this wasn't your conventional no, it college was, experience for a player. It, Illinois had a really strong team uh, going into it. Craig was obviously South African, so that was, I think, the biggest reason Kevin was drawn to go to school in the middle of cornfields and University hey, of Illinois. That's, that's my country. But, Yours, uh, too. That's yeah. our... Uh... No, I know. It was. It, I'm very happy Kevin went there, because we wouldn't have met otherwise, and... Um, yeah, no, they did great. I think when Kevin was there, he and one of his teammates won the doubles championship, which was so fun for me to be able to watch and see him accomplish that. And they made the finals against Georgia as in the team competition. So it was special. They had a really good team, great group of guys who we're really good friends with to this day. And, you know, it really was a family for us. It still is. Personal question. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of children running around the players' lounge. I mean, Roger obviously has... Four of them, yeah. but he's not the only one. Um, can, can you conceive of making this a family affair in this lifestyle? As you soon know, as you're married, everybody starts asking you, so when do you have No, kids? I didn't mean it that <laughs> I just meant strictly in the context yeah. of... I, for us, I think right now, and what Kevin's looking to achieve, I think we've put it on the back burner. There's no dire circumstances. I think I'm still young enough that we don't have to, we don't have to worry quite yet, but... Um, Someday, of course, we'd love to have a family. I just, I think it would be tough to travel and be together. And so at this point, it's not something we want to compromise on that lifestyle. And uh, I wouldn't really want to be at home with kids being a more or less a single parent while Kevin's on the road. Yeah, all so, year uh, long. Uh, a, um, someone in your position said it's the exact same thing that it's sort of, you, you kind of lose either way. You're either this crazy lifestyle yeah. with security lines and yeah. erratic hours or. I'm home with the kids and my spouse is off Yeah, playing tennis 32 weeks a I year. think, I mean, it's incredible. The people who manage it and, and are able to travel with the kids, I think it's amazing what they do. And, and the kids, they seem to have fun. I mean, they're, they're running around. They're having a great time playing games at all these tournaments. They seem to have a blast with it. But for us right now, I think that would just be biting off a little bit more than we can chew. <laughs> You're a former athlete yourself. You mentioned high-level golfer. Um, do you bring that to bear at all? I mean, is there any crossover whatsoever that you can sort of help with training, nutrition, mental preparation, or is this just its own crazy circus? I think definitely I try to bring stuff to the table with the mental toughness and things like that with Kevin. I think being an athlete myself, you have a hopefully deeper understanding of 
what it takes to sacrifice to try to achieve your optimal level of performance. So I think that's probably the greatest thing that being an athlete myself has brought to the table. We both take health and fitness seriously. We we both are willing to sacrifice everything to put Kevin in the same the best uh, position to compete. So I think definitely it helps. I wouldn't say I bring too much uh, beyond the mental side of things, but you know, it's it's I think just the the understanding of the sacrifice and the road that it took to get to where he is right now, I think is pretty valuable. Yeah, I, I was thinking it must be cool for you to see this from. You know, you're. I mean, I, this is going to sound vulgar, but you, you were not. Uh, you know, at, at age thirty. I mean, you you were there for the whole ride. Yeah. And you sort of from collar to the challenger circuit to making main draws to being seated at main draws to second weeks of slams. I mean, you sort of seen this whole ascent. Yeah. I imagine that's that's pretty cool. It's amazing, and fortunately for me, Kevin Kevin's always been improving. He's been on an upward climb the, his whole career, more or less. So, I've had it pretty easy compared to some people who've had to deal with you know, hard times and, you know, pulling back a little bit. But for us, Kevin's always just gone up and up and up. And so it's been it's been incredible to watch. And really, it might sound crazy, but we all believe the sky's the limit for him. We think he can win a Grand Slam. We think he could win this week, and hopefully so does he. So I think that's been really fun for us to kind of all see, all see his progression and Anybody will tell you he, he takes his tennis so seriously. He cares about it so much. He does everything right. And um, I think we all know that at the end of his career, he's not going to look back and have any regrets about not doing everything he could do to put himself in the best position possible. Last question. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got tennis to watch. Yeah. When your friends say, what is it like, or I'm so, you know, I'm in an office job with fluorescent lighting, and you're in Monte Carlo one week, and Rome the next, I mean, what, you know, what, 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 what do you want people to know about your life that they might not infer from your Twitter feed and <laughs> Facebook posts? You know, I, I'd be lying if I said I don't think I have an enviable life right now. Everything's so wonderful. Kevin and I have a blast, you know, traveling the world together. I think when I joined the team, I think it actually helped Kevin tremendously. His ranking went up a lot um, because I think part of what I bring to the table is he's able to disconnect from tennis now at the end of the day and just hang out with me and, you know, like I said earlier, kind of act like a normal family, whereas before he was bunking up in his room with his coach. So the tennis was never really switched off. It was dinner with just him and his coach every night. It was just a different dynamic. And I think uh, that's kind of what I'm bringing to the table. And hopefully people think that's as valuable as I do. Hopefully Kevin thinks it's as valuable I as I do. I suspect he does. Um, this was great. Yeah. Glad we did this. Uh, this Thanks, Kelsey Thanks Anderson. Thanks for having me. Good luck today. Thank you. Go, Kev. There you go. John Wertheim here. That was Kelsey Anderson. Tremendous guest. We'll do it again soon. Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Enjoy second week of Wimbledon.